And, you know, uh, at least based on history, there will be some good things and there may be some bad things, too. I mean, uh, we're hearing projections of 6% GDP growth right. this year, uh, which would be uh, four points higher than the pre-pandemic uh, trend. That would be amazing. Uh, we saw something like this in the roaring 20s after the Spanish flu in the First World War. Unfortunately, we've also seen uh, civil wars and revolutions right. uh, yeah. after past pandemics. That's right. Yeah. The, and, the you know, the way in which a pandemic kind of upends the norms and traditions and sort of the patterns of society, uh, again, you know, where everything kind of falls out afterwards, uh, you know, a bunch of things can be better. Certainly in history, one of the things that's happened is that labor, for a variety of reasons, labor has gotten stronger. And in many cases, innovation has increased, but also, you know, civil unrest and revolutions and all the more yucky things that you would prefer to avoid. And so with that, let's talk to Callum. My name is Callum Williams. I'm a uh a writer about economics for The Economist, and I cover a bunch of different things uh, at the moment, focusing um, a lot, as you'd imagine, on uh, what the world looks like as it uh, emerges slowly, but hopefully surely from lockdowns into a post-lockdown future. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. Yeah, you wrote this really interesting article where you look back at periods of massive non-financial disruption, smallpox, Spanish flu, Black Death, etc. So, what does the record suggest? Yeah, so a bunch of things. So, yeah, it, thanks for distinguishing non-financial disruption because this is not about banking crises right. and financial crises and that kind of thing. This is about basically about pandemics and uh, wars, but mainly pandemics. Actually, you know, as as you'd expect, they they have a bunch of a bunch of different impacts. But the best way to think about it is is that they come into kind of three three categories, I guess. One is to do with sort of how people spend their money. And one is to do with how businesses change how they're working. And then the third one is to do with uh, the political ramifications, which tend to echo down the generations for, for many years to come after the pandemic has, has ended. And, and the idea about this article was to kind of give readers a sense of, you know, what to expect um, over the next few years. What you, you know, based on what you've learned, what are your predictions about what will come or what might come? <laughs> yeah. What are the possible futures that could come? The good, yeah. good, bad, ugly. Okay, so I guess I mean, so the good, maybe the good one is, is is what people do with their money after after the pandemic ended. So, as everyone knows, what's happened, say in the U.S. over the past year, is that people have been trapped at home, um, haven't been able to go out and spend. A lot of people have also received checks from the government and other sorts of government assistance. And not everyone has, has been able to build up their savings. Absolutely not. But on average, the average American household has built up their savings by quite a lot, actually. If you look at, um, basically look at bank balances, they've, they've gone up quite significantly. But this is not the first time that something like this has happened. So if you go back and look, for instance, what happened during World War One and World War Two in the US, particularly World War II, when there was a lot of kind of rationing in place and people were actually forbidden from buying certain things. So, for instance, the, uh, the car industry basically completely shut down in World War II. And I think, if I remember correctly, in 